Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Stacking the Box podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Verderam. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how are you? Let's ride. <laughs> Let, let's, let's ride right off the field and watch us kick a 64-yarder. <laughs> All right. We are off and running, baby. Welcome to week one of the NFL season. Thank you, Denver, because that's enough. That's enough content to last us all a lifetime. Uh, more like Nathaniel Hackett in the night sweats because that dude was getting no sleep last night. We'll start there. That dude, after one week, already on the hot seat, that was one of the worst coaching performances I have ever seen. Look, I, I don't do the whole week one, like we all have to overreact, like it's going to be every game of the season because that's stupid and it's not realistic. I've seen enough of Nathaniel Hackett to feel like he's not going to be a good head coach. Like that, it's one thing to have a bad game plan. It's one thing to make a mistake and using a timeout too early or something. Okay, that happens. That's that's coaching, um, and I'm I'm fine with that. But what like that was Pop Warner stuff. Like that was the dumbest thing I can I can remember a coach doing since Daryl Bevel in the Super Bowl with Seattle and New England. You know what? A decade ago, like that. First of all, I'm watching the game with a with a buddy of mine, and when it was fourth and five, before all the time ran out off the clock, we're like we're all like, all right, look, you're obviously going to throw, you know, what would he, you know, probably something short, maybe a drag route, maybe a cross. We're going through all these scenarios, and then Hackett's just running all the clock off, and I, I still didn't even think about them kicking. Like they're so far out, I'm like, what is he doing? Like I. I couldn't figure it out. I thought maybe they had a bit of communication issue. They're on the road. And then they trot McManus out there, and he misses by like 97 feet to the left. But Seattle calls a timeout. So now, now I'm thinking, okay, you're Denver. You got three timeouts. I, this is a no-brainer. You yank him off the field. You go for it. Like, to kick in the first place was insanity. Nope. We're going to kick it again. And to McManus's credit, it was a damn good attempt from 64 yards. I had, I had enough leg. He missed by a whisker. But I, I do not understand that at all. 
That is one of the dumbest decisions. If you can't pick up five yards with your $242 million quarterback that you just traded multiple first and seconds for, what are we doing? Why is he even on the team? Like, I don't understand anything about that decision. What does that say about their trust and faith in Russell Wilson? They traded all those assets to bring him in. They wanted the upgrade over uh, the backup quarterback, Drew Locke, the revenge game for him. But they wanted a a quarterback who could get it done in big moments, take them to the next level. And then they don't even use him. What does this say about Russell Wilson? I mean, look, that whole game, quite honestly, if you just looked at the box score, you'd say, wow, he had a great game. If you watch the game, he wasn't bad, but he certainly wasn't like overwhelming. He had a deep touchdown pass to Jerry Judy that, quite honestly, he underthrew, and he very easily could have been picked off on. They had another drive in that game where he should have been picked off in the end zone. He threw a right two digs, and digs dropped the ball. Um, he was okay, but it tells me that Denver doesn't believe in him that much. I mean, it, it just now maybe maybe it shouldn't say that, or or he, you know, that wasn't the message, and it just came across that way. Um, but. Can you imagine the Chiefs, even with Butker, kicking a 64-yard field goal there and telling Patrick Mahomes, hey, Pat, listen, why don't you sit this one out? Because we're going we're gonna to try what's essentially almost a record-setting field goal, right? We're going we're gonna to give that a shot instead of letting you throw five yards to any of these guys, right? The one thing I did notice in that game I thought was interesting, and, and it was certainly noteworthy moving forward, did, did Wilson run once in that game? Two I, I yards. Yeah, I, he he never ran. And that was a big storyline coming into the year. I was like, if he can't run anymore, if he won't scramble anymore, he's a totally different guy. And I thought he, I'll be honest, I thought he was average in the game. I don't think he was bad, but he was certainly not Herbert, Allen, Mahomes. He, he was not anywhere near that. As far as Nathaniel Hackett, would we be viewing this differently if Williams – Gordon, they don't fumble on the goal line, on the one-yard line, multiple times. Because I do think that's part of the story that's getting overlooked. Maybe. But here's my thing. So for Hackett, I wouldn't view Hackett differently in the sense they should have killed Seattle. They should have killed Seattle. Like, you don't get a pass from me for that. Like, they. the other part of this is, too, that's true. Like, they fumbled twice at the one-yard line, which is probably not going to happen again for another 20 years. However... They also, like people also f- neglect to mention, he threw a touchdown that could have been picked off. He, he had another ball in the end zone that should have been picked off that Denver scored a field goal on later in that drive. And that's 10 points. They also had a, a play with Seattle down inside their own 10-yard line where Seattle went for it on a sneak early in the game and Geno Smith slipped and couldn't pick up the first down. So I could easily sit there and say, well, there's 13 to 17 points the other way. I mean, I, I thought it was a game of mistakes. I thought it was a game where Denver did not play particularly well, played better in the second half. But also, like, they had what was it? It was either 10 or 14 plays. I think it was 14 plays inside the Seattle 10-yard line, and they couldn't throw. They couldn't get it in the end zone. So at some point, like, is that not on the quarterback too? I mean, you can't throw it in there once. You can't do anything. Like, that's Trubisky-level stuff. That's crazy. <laughs> so I, the bottom line for me is you – are going to have games present themselves in different ways every week. You need to be good at situational football. 
Like that was that's been Belichick's calling card for 20 years, right? Like that's been my biggest complaint at times about the Chiefs under Andy Reid. Like sometimes they're really good at it, and sometimes they're a disaster. They thankfully have so much talent that they can override that a lot. Denver is not such a team, in my opinion. They are not so talented that they can just get away with all kinds of bullshit and still find a way to win a lot of games. And in that game, like the bottom line to me is you have fourth and five with 50 seconds left. You have zero ability to execute it at all. And then you trot your kicker out there. And like McManus is a good kicker, but he's not Justin Tucker. Like, and even if it's Justin Tucker, that's insane. Like (laughs) to play for, they willfully with three timeouts left. We're like, that's fine. You have Sutton and Judy against those corners and you can't pick up five yards. That's brutal. Mm. As far as the Broncos defense, Geno Smith was throwing all over him. One of the coldest lines ever said post game. They wrote me off. I didn't write back. Geno Smith looked pretty solid. What did you take away from the Broncos defense? I thought they were all right, but also you're playing a Seahawks team that's a bad offensive line and has no quarterback. With due respect to Geno, who played well last night, he has, he's not good. They they don't have a tight end that scares. So like they have they have two really good receivers, and that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, the, the the rookie back wasn't even healthy; he was out for the game. Um, like that's what they looked like against Seattle. I I would be willing to bet that Herbert and Mahomes watched that game and felt pretty good because I don't think that you watch that and went, man, that, that's really a, a team that's going to scare you. I, I said all offseason, I didn't know what to expect from Denver. I could see them winning eight games. I could see them winning 12 games. Now, I'm not going to go nuts over the one week, but I got to say, based on what we saw from Russ, based on what we saw from Hackett, I'm a hell of a lot closer to eight wins. Like, what about them do you, you look at and go, yeah, they're great at that. I like the backs. I like the receivers. The line was okay. Um, defensively, they were okay. Russell Wilson was okay. Uh, you know, it, and that's against an awful team. That is against a team that's probably going to win four or five games this year. Like, that – Not, and I don't want to – I've already seen Denver's. Well, you know, it was loud. Okay, what, what, an Arrowhead's a church? <laughs> I mean, like – I, I mean, like, what are we talking about? Like, yeah, it's loud. Of course it's loud. It's on the road. Like, it's a loud game. Yes, it's loud. I, that that was – and by the way, like, Russell Wilson should be able to handle that. He played there for a decade. You'd think, like, you know, that – oh, yeah, well, he's on the other side now. Yeah, well, I, I, come on. Like, the bottom line is I walked away from that game not being impressed at all with Denver. I Maybe they get better. That's fine. But right now they're, they're not impressive. Well, with the week one slate, NFL season completely done, who was the most impressive team in your eyes? I think it's two teams. And I think anybody with eyes who watched the week can tell you which two teams they are. I Buffalo and Kansas City belong in their own league based on week one. Now, again, the qualifier there is based on week one. Uh, but with those teams, like you expected them to come in and be really good. It's not like you're, you know, it's not like that's surprising that they played that way. Buffalo destroyed the Rams in every way you can destroy a team. The Chiefs then basically took it apparently as a challenge and went out and just annihilated Arizona for 60 solid minutes. I mean, pressured Murray all game long, covered really well. The offense had seven scoring drives, could have been more. They just started sitting guys out of pity in the middle of the fourth quarter. Like it was. 
I'll say this. It was a statement from Mahomes. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, they, he just torched Arizona. Now, like, I get Arizona as a, you know, an average team. They had some injuries. I understand all that. Um, they were up 37 to 7 in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was, it was a killing. So for me, those two teams have to be it. I will give a special mention, though. Uh, obviously, not anywhere near as impressive as those two teams. I was impressed by the Giants, who I, I spent all week being like, the Titans are going to absolutely kill the Giants. So Heisler can come on and give me some crap for that because Heisler was right on the money. Um, and I, I felt pretty good at 13 nothing. But, you know, the Giants in past years would have just rolled over and they would have gotten beat by 30 points. They would have absolutely rolled over, given up the whole nine. I give them a lot of credit. They fought back. They didn't quit. When they scored to make it 20-19 with a minute left, they went for two. They got it. They they did give ground defensively, but they forced a long field goal, and Randy Bullock missed. So, listen, do I think the Giants now are going to win 12 games? No. But I, I think they're they're showing fight, and, and that's something that they haven't shown in a very long time. I'm with you, Bills, Chiefs. To me, clearly the top two. That's the cream of the crop. Everyone else, at least AFC, NFC, doesn't matter. It's those two teams and everyone else. As far as the least impressive, who is the worst out there? So, I mean, I'm not going to throw out, like, the Jets because that's what you expect, <laughs> right? Um, the the Bengals, who we're going to get to here in a second, I, they, they, they were not good. Defensively, they were very good. Offensively, they were a disaster. But I think I have to go with – and like I said, the Bengals belong in that conversation. We're going to get to them in a little bit. Um, a couple teams stood out to me. The Packers were awful. Like, and, I, and I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and I'm sticking by that, by the way. But like, holy hell, you got to play better than that. Minnesota, as Jeremy points out in the chat, was very, very good. Um, Kylie's joining up. Did I miss your Broncos rant? You did. You did. But the good news is, Kylie, uh, there would be plenty more of that. And it's also uh, – it's recorded. It'll be on the Stack the Box channel, so you'll be able to catch it. Um, Look, I I think the Packers are awful. Um, I do think they'll be fine, though. The Colts were really unimpressive. Like, you had to tie that game against Houston, and it took a miracle for you to tie that game. That's not great. Um, and then I, I think the other one I've got to throw in there, although I don't expect them to be good this year, the, the Patriots were atrocious. The Patriots were awful. Um Mac Jones had a QBR, which the scale is one to a hundred, by the way. His QBR was nine. Uh, that that's not great. So there were a lot of teams, man. You could throw into the Saints for 50 minutes were hideous. There were a lot, basically the entire NFC. Yeah. Uh, Niners, for me, ha- Cowboys. Well, the Niners yeah, I'll give I'll give that. some with the Niners to an extent. The monsoon that was going on, the weather was not their friend. I know the Bears had to play in the same weather, obviously. They weren't playing in different spots, but it did feel like the rain slowed up for the two touchdown drives for Chicago when they took over the Niners late in the game. Even the announcers were saying, this is the most rain out we've seen all day. There was puddles. It was a slip and slide. For me, it has to be the Cowboys. All that hype, NFC, not good. If this was a season to take control, if there was a season where the NFC was down as a whole and the Cowboys could actually make noise, this would have been it. Dak Prescott was extremely unimpressive. He was making horrendous throws. Then he gets hurt from what I've seen out potentially six to eight weeks with the hand injury. Cooper Rush, sorry, he ain't that dude. 
the defense didn't look anything uh, impressive at all. I mean, I mean, that's the Eagles division at this point. For me, it has to be the Cowboys as the least impressive performance. No, that's fair. I didn't even mention them because there are so many. I, I love the people in the in the chat here. Dre here saying PFF's grades. Uh, also, <laughs> one of the worst performances. Listen, I, I spent <laughs> I spent a damn good portion of yesterday going back and forth with with uh, that whole thing. That that is just. By the way, Geno Smith has a higher grade than Mahomes. Also, so he's not ninth. Um, that's right. That's right. Geno Smith, who I'm pretty sure threw for about 20 yards in the second half of the game. Um, thir- third highest grade of the week. Third highest grade of the week. That, that's right. That's right. They charge you for that, everybody. Um, I, I mean, oh, my God almighty. Uh, why don't they just slap Flacco on the top of the damn chart and just call it a day? Maybe well, Betsy, what's, what's the difference? Mahomes or Davis Mills? Same quarterback. It's, it's unbelievable. I love it. Jeremy says uh, PFF coach of the week, uh, Hackett. Yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, it's just nothing makes any sense. Nothing makes any sense. It is, uh, it is unbelievable. Like, I just, I can't understand it. I can't get into this again. We can't go down this rabbit hole. But I, I was floored, man. I don't normally give a rat's ass about PSF's grades one way or the other. I don't care. That actually was like, it, it was like insulting to my intelligence, um, which is why I got so annoyed. That being said, uh, listen. I, I think, you know, any of these NFC teams, you can really pick them out of a hat. And be, I'll give you one under the radar, though, and, and Dolphins fans won't appreciate this. Like, Tua had a decent game. Tyreek had 90-plus yards. They scored 13 points offensively. They had a scoop and score, too, to make it 20. Like, need to see a little more out of the offense than 13 points against New England. A little more than that. Perfect conditions at home. Like, come on. Can you give me 23? Like, I, I mean, come on now. You just, you just spent a fortune. I've got to listen to how Tua now is basically, you know, God combined with Tom Brady. Like, can, a little more than 13 points. But he was he was solid. So I'm not going to sit there and, like, go after him, go after him. Also, Baker Mayfield. Mm. Bro, you're going to talk all that yeah. stuff all week long and then go out there and start out with 15 attempts. You throw for, what was it, 11 yards or 50? It was brutal. And then the fourth quarter, he finally did decide to show up and play football. But then then somehow, uh, Cade York from downtown, 58 yards to win it. Uh, it was, it was a, there were a lot of bad performances. The only, the only two teams in the league that I think are like legit contenders, and I walked away and I was like, those teams played lights out with the Bills and the Chiefs. Mm. Like, even the Chargers – that game was like the Raiders were 60 yards away from winning it with two minutes to go in the game. So the Bills and the Chiefs are the only two that I walked away. I'm like, those teams, wow. okay, look out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Let's look into the future here. Who is the NFC's best team through week one? Oh, God. Can it just be – can we just pass? Um, you know what? I think – I've got to say the Bucks. I think. Like, the Vikings were really impressive. The Eagles played well, gave up a lot of points, but played well for the most part. But I think the Buccaneers have the highest ceiling of all those teams, and I thought they, they showed well. Now, I will say, though, man, and, I, and, we, and we've been talking about it, I've been talking about it, the injuries scare the hell out of me with Tampa. Now Donovan Smith's hurt. Now Chris Godwin's hurt again. Like, Chris Godwin's going to be out apparently for weeks. Now, is that two weeks? Is that four weeks? I don't know. But their next three games are the Saints, the Packers, and the, and the Chiefs. So we're going to find out plenty about the Bucks here over the next three weeks. I would, I would say Tampa, but I wasn't impressed with them either. I mean, they scored 19 points. Like I, So I would say Tampa, but really, man, like if you just went off week one, I think it would be Minnesota. Yeah. Going just one week, got to be Minnesota. The Eagles do have a case, but 35 given up to Detroit, not ideal. I do think the Eagles' defense is better than that. I think the Eagles' offense showed a lot. Jalen Hurts ran that offense very, very well. Again, for me, Eagles are winning the NFC East at this point. That's a lock. Of any of the divisions, I can pick one team. Give me the Eagles in the NFC East. The team I would still go with, they looked horrendous. But I'm going to go with the Rams. I still think they're a complete team. They got destroyed. But you and I have already talked. Bills Chiefs are in a division of their own. NFC is bad. The Rams will bounce back. I don't know what the Niners are going to do with Trey Lance. The Cardinals look horrible, right? So that division is not as deep as we thought it originally was, especially compared to last year. I still like the Rams. They'll figure it out. This is a Super Bowl hangover. It might last a game or two. I know it's disappointing or disheartening when you go up against one of the cream of the crop teams and then you just look just just brutal. But Matt Stafford will get slightly healthier as the season progresses, one would hope, with his arm. I'm still going to go with the Rams. Tom Brady, sorry, didn't look good. He looked old. Uh, he could not throw. Leonard Fournette looked fine. He looked yeah. good. Didn't look like Leonard Five net out there. Uh, no, well, no, he, he did not look like he showed up in camp where the, the man looked like he was wearing one of those big old puffy jackets. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know what? The, the Rams, the, the offensive lines for both the Rams and the Bucks scare the hell out of me right now. Like, neither one of them can block. I will say this. Uh, how, how old are you, Sterling? 28. Okay, so I, I've got six years on you. So I'm 34. I remember the tail end of, like, when the Niners and the Cowboys in the 90s were just – like it was like whoever won that game in the playoffs is just there winning the Super Bowl. That was like my first couple of years watching football, and to a degree, and not completely because the AFC does have a lot of good teams. After week one, anyway, that's how I feel about Buffalo and Kansas City, where those two teams are so good that you're like, oh my god, whoever wins that that game is just is just going to be ridiculous. Um, that being said, of course, again, the AFC, I think, is deep. I don't think it's quite the same thing. 
Um, and we saw that last year, and then the Chiefs blew an 18-point lead in the AFC title game. So, like, there's certainly no guarantees. But after one week, you look at the AFC and the NFC, and, like, the NFC is like a junior league. I mean, the AFC is so good. You know, but, you know, there's a long way to go. Let's go into the future. Number two, how concerned are you about the Cincinnati Bengals? Mildly. Um, they get a huge break because they're playing Cooper Rush this week. So that they'll get to one and one. Um, mildly in the sense, I don't, I'm not worried about Burrow. Like Burrow's not going to sit there and throw four picks every week. I, I'm not concerned about that. I also think if you're the Bengals, there is a silver lining of we were minus five in the turnover department. And still almost won that game. You know, I mean, you needed a, a blocked extra point at the end and a 29-yard field goal being missed and all this other crap to lose. What concerns me about the Bengals is their offensive line. Again, I know Pittsburgh's got a great passer, so I get all that. It's, I mean, I don't care who you're facing. You should never give up seven sacks, ever. And part of that is on Burrow. Burrow holds the ball, and he, he takes some hits. Now, I, I will say, I watched the whole game. I don't think many of them are on Burrow, maybe one or two of them. Um, that offensive line is better in terms of it's more talented, but I got to see it. Like, at some point here, you got to block somebody. And while I do think they're going to beat Dallas, it's not going to get any easier in that regard this week where you got Lawrence and Parsons up front. And everybody else, like, Dallas is going to get pressure. So I'm not over the moon concerned, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's a bad loss. You shouldn't be losing to the Steelers at home if you're the Bengals. We've talked about poor offensive line play a decent amount already, especially when it comes to contending teams. Is it the offensive line play either has not been invested in on some of these teams, or has it been that teams have invested so much in getting after the quarterback that maybe pass rushers are better making the offensive lines look weaker than potentially in years past? Well, you know, actually, so Kylie in the chat just said this, and I, I was, this is exactly what I was going to say. Was she was saying a lot of the line issues in week one. Do you think it's a product of lack of preseason play or poor, or poor personnel? I think a lot of it is the lack of preseason play. Like, you don't, you know, you don't see a lot of these teams. They don't play anybody. And they get into these games, like the Bengals didn't play anybody the entire preseason. So it's like, hey, guys, how you doing? You ready for week one against Pittsburgh's front seven? Great. Here it goes. Like, I – you have no continuity. You know, that is one thing I do think. Like, the Chiefs are famous for that. The Chiefs will play all their guys, and they typically start out really fast. Um, I do think there's a little bit of a correlation with that, especially when you have a lot of new moving parts. I think you need to get a little bit of experience. And so I do think some of these teams, like, you get in there, and you're like, crap, man, we, we haven't played a live snap together. Like, I don't care about camp snaps because you don't have to worry about somebody killing your quarterback. You have to worry about that in a game. And I, I feel like some of these teams, the Rams, by the way, were another team. No preseason. They don't play. They don't believe in it. Well, how'd that go? You need to practice. I'm a big believer in tackling in camp. You've got to be able like these teams that are like, well, you know, we used the first couple weeks around at the form. Those are the teams that are 0-2 and miss the playoffs. More often than not. This isn't baseball. If you have a bad month, you're screwed. So I, I think, you know, part of it is these teams just don't get enough experience in the in the summer months. Going back to the Bengals very quickly, I would say I'm a little bit more concerned than you are. And the reason why 
I had them as my last playoff team in the AFC. I think the AFC is very, very deep. And frankly, I think they, again, don't want to take anything away from Cincinnati. They earned that Super Bowl appearance last year. They had a lot of things go right their way. Things that went wrong this week one was a microcosm of the opposite thing that happened last year. Offensive line play was still bad. 50-50 balls turned into interceptions, not Jamar Chase mossing everyone out there. They even had a favorable call in the end zone to send it into overtime, right? Didn't come away with a victory. Last year, McPherson drained everything. I mean, he was unconscious. That dude was clutch as hell. I know they had a backup snapper, long snapper, and that was a massive issue, but he shanked a 29-yarder. Missed an extra point because it was blocked. So for me, week one was a microcosm of the worst Cincinnati could be, but also it was the opposite from everything that happened last year. Again, taking nothing away from the Bengals Super Bowl run last year, but I I do think there's something to look into and say, this is also in their uh, repertoire. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Bengals are a really, really good team. But I, I do think at some point, though, like this, this offensive line crap is going to kill you. Like, it's, it's just you cannot, you cannot continue to give up pressures and sacks like this. And I know there are Bengals fans who will be like, well, you know, they gave up 37 sacks in that game against Tennessee and they were still able to win. The number is actually nine, by the way. But, um, but that, that's an anomaly. You're not going to do that all the time. You know, I, again, I like the Bengals, but the Bengals schedule is really hard. And like I, I am. While I don't overreact to week one, or at least I hope I don't. The one thing I will say is, when people brush off week one losses like they don't matter because it's week one, that drives me insane. That game counts the same as if it was in week fourteen. That is a divisional loss for Cincinnati. That matters. That's an important game. You're an AFC team. You have eight home games and nine road games this year. You just blew a home game against a team you ought to beat. You don't think that's coming back to bite you in the ass at some point? Of course it is. Like, I mean, of course it is. Whether it's to make the playoffs or not, whether it's to win the division or not, or if it's seeding or whatever. I mean, Buffalo last year lost to Pittsburgh in week one in a ridiculous game at home. It cost them the number one seed in the conference. You know, people want to talk about Jacksonville and that loss. Okay, fine. That loss is awful too. That Pittsburgh loss is every bit as horrendous. That cost you. And by the way, it got Pittsburgh in the playoffs. I'm going to go to into the future number three while we wait for Verderam's connection to come back. That is, will Trey Lance be the Niners starter come October? I'm going to say, yeah. I'm fully believing in Trey Lance. I think what we saw week one was not a good way to judge a first-year starting quarterback. Going up in that rain in a monsoon, not ideal. I think Trey Lance will be fine. There's no calls for Jimmy G yet. Jimmy G, what's he going to do in that rain? He can't run. He's not making that any better. I think what it comes down to is we'll see week two. We'll have, what, five, six weeks before any calls start happening. I am not worried in the slightest about Trey Lance. What's your concern level with Trey Lance, and will he be the starter come October? I, I think he will be. Like, I, I, look, they need to give him time, right? I mean, I, I think if you're going to go to a, a rookie quarterback, or in this case, a second-year quarterback, but first-year starter, you have to give him time. You have to give him time. 
he played that game in a lake. Like, I mean, like, what did you expect him to do? Justin Fields was not any better, by the way. So um, I think you have to understand what the reality is, which is that he's going to have some bad games. He's going to have some good games. And then you factor in he doesn't, he doesn't have Kittle in that game. And the weather is atrocious. It's really, really, really hard to judge the guy off that game. Now, if he goes to play Seattle next week, he's terrible. Let's talk about it. But for now, I I can't I can't go nuts about that. I just can't. I don't think I don't think it's reasonable to sit there and criticize a guy for playing like you know a, a poor game when he drops back to throw and falls in a seventeen <laughs> feet of water, right? Like I mean I, I I don't think that's fair, right? So I, I I think we have to wait and see a little bit. By the way, though, as I say that, and thank you by the way for Comcast at least getting the internet back up quickly. Appreciate that. Um, it's so much better. I can't complain too much, but I'm still annoyed that it doesn't work all the time. Um, all right, let's bring in Heisler, whose internet always works. Um, should switch to your provider. Son of a bitch. All right, so uh, Heisler, uh, welcome in. Welcome in. Uh, how did how did you enjoy week one? How did you enjoy the end of week one? 64 from downtown and swinging a miss. Spectacular, right? Like, of, of all the ways to watch... Like I, I said it on Twitter last night, and, and maybe this is a little bit too inside Chicago radio, but Nathaniel Hackett in game one morphed into Matt Nagy. And then when he was calling those stupid timeouts, he turned into Jim Boylan, the former head coach of the Bulls that would you know be down 25 points with a dog shit team. And with 47 seconds left when the teams are just trying to wind the game down, he would call a timeout for a teaching lesson. Like, Everything that could have gone wrong for Nathaniel Hackett from just a coaching side, from watching everything unfold to the two goal line plays that went the other direction, to the, everything about it just looked disastrous. And it was nice to be like, you know what? That's not my team anymore. That's somebody else's team. That's somebody else's problem. So I, I felt great about it. I, I had fun with it, to, to be perfectly honest with you. And you know what? Watching it happen the way that it did, mm, chef's kiss for, for pure, pure spectacular NFL fashion on the week. You crushed it, by the way. Though. It was beautiful. We're, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, you did pretty damn good on your bets. Uh, Verde, who would have thought you and I didn't do so well? Heisler fucking crushing it. Uh, let's go ahead and just start with that. Congratulations on going 3-0 and week one against the spread. I, I appreciate it, Sterling. Listen, this is uh, one of those times where uh, you know that it's not going to be like that the rest of the year. So you hope that you, you build up a little bit of a lead in the early going because, I mean, that's, that's sports betting. This is hard. Uh, you're going to have weeks like that. Everyone's going to have weeks like that. The, the key is trying to have a process that you feel good about. Uh, I think earlier in the week, uh, looking at some of the games that we had before, uh, we jumped on some of these these underdogs early, right? Texas, uh, the Texans were at eight and a half. That number ended up moving down to seven. So we got it at a great line. Didn't really need to worry about it because that game ended in a tie. The Giants found a way to come back um, in a game that uh, Tennessee was trying to lose at the end. Yep. Um, but we got them at six and a half here on the show on Tuesday. And that number moved down to, to five and a half, some places even five. So uh, that's sometimes the, the benefit of, of jumping on some, some games that you like earlier in the week. If you have a feeling uh, that something's going to move, go ahead and jump on it. And then the other part of it that you can do 
is you can middle the game. So, you know, let's say you jumped on board with uh, with the Bengals. Let's say you had no confidence in the Cowboys and you saw that early line go up and you're like, oh, Bengals plus one and a half against this team. Okay, they might be on the road, but Burrow was pissed after the game. You know, he was sitting by himself at his locker for 45 minutes. You know what? I, I like the Bengals as a, as a road dog here. Well, if you jump on them early and then Prescott gets hurt, guess what? Bengals are, are seven-point favorites on the road now. So you can even middle that game and pretty much give yourselves a, a seven- or eight-point window on both sides. So there is some benefit, but obviously news comes out over the course of the week with injuries, uh, different things that you need to worry about as well. So sometimes you, you, you hit and sometimes you miss. Mm. Yeah, I don't want you to throw us in there where you say, the six and a half down to five and a half. No, no, no. That was you. That was the one Verderim, Verderim and I took the uh, opposite side on. So there, there's your big hit. I appreciate yeah. you trying to give us credit there, Ben. But uh, this is, this is we don't deserve it. We, 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 <laughs> the records might look a little bit different, but uh, but stacking the box viewers, we, we win and lose as a team together. So I, I'm not buying that. Records might look a little bit different. Maybe there's a little bit of bragging rights, but if, if – if the people that are in, in that are tuning in for the show get a couple wins out of it, then I, I think everybody benefits. As far as the best bet for week two, what do you have going so far? So a couple games stood out at least initially. Um, the one that I like the most, and, and if anybody read um, Verderan's piece on, on Monday, you saw a little bit of snippet of it, um, was I, I like Jacksonville plus four and a half against the Indianapolis Colts. I know it's the Colts coming off of a bad loss on the road. And you think to yourself sort of the, the idea of, okay, you know, bad loss to the Texans projected to be the worst team in the league. They're, they're going to get it right against Jacksonville, right? Like it, it seemingly this is the division favorite in the AFC South. It would make sense that they got that bad game out of the way. You know, the, the league is so up and down, but Things are not good for the Colts in Jacksonville. Let's go back a handful of years. Frank Wright, we talked about his trend last week, 0-4 in week one against the spread, 0-4 straight up. He's never won a game in Jacksonville. And in two of those four years, the Jaguars have been the worst team in the NFL. Colts cannot win there under Frank Wright. He's also, and I saw this from Warren Sharp, so I want to give him credit for this. Uh, he's now 8-12-1 uh, straight up in his four years in Indianapolis from weeks one through five. And so you go back and you try to figure out, well, why is that? Because they covered about a 66, 67% clip from week six on. And the, the one thing you have to keep coming back to is five quarterbacks in five years. The offense takes time to gel. It takes time for everybody to start knowing their assignments. You also are dealing with uh, an offensive line that's not as good as what people maybe remember the Colts being over the last handful of years. You also have Jacksonville that played Pretty well. Defense made a couple big plays against Carson Wentz. Now, granted, he still gave you know, they still gave up four touchdowns through the air. But you know, right now, Washington's pass catchers, I feel a little bit better about them than just Michael Pittman and everybody else. I think Jacksonville's going to come out, play them really tough the way that they have consistently over the last four years. Uh, you already saw the improvements that Doug Peterson has had over Urban Meyer. Four and a half is too many points in a place that they have not been able to win for a long period of time. And for a team that just doesn't seem to get things rolling until the first quarter of the season is over. So of all the different players on the board right now, Jacksonville plus four and a half, uh, certainly my best bet. And I'd be very surprised uh, if the line doesn't start to move towards Jacksonville a little bit further on in the week. I'm, I'm with you. I agree. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville outright beat them. I, I, I wouldn't pick them to win, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think that game's going to be within a field goal. Um, so I, I totally like what the Colts are the, the team and your your guy over there at Betside, Ian McMillan, has them going to the Super Bowl. And I, for the life of me, can understand why, which I told him during our show on Sunday morning. Like, Matt Ryan's good. He's not great. Jonathan Taylor's great, but he's a running back. Michael Pittman is good, and that is your entire offense. You have nobody else. You have an offensive line with a left tackle that they were just rotating in during the game on Sunday because they were so bad. They couldn't block anybody. Um and like defensively, they're fine, but they're not like overwhelming defensively. So I, they're fine. The team's going to win like nine games. And that might be enough to win that division. Division's awful, but I'm with you. I, I love the Jags. I, I think. It's, oh, go ahead, Sterling. I'll just say no, not much. I'll go with the trifecta. I'm with you with the four and a half for sure. I, I'll say this about Indianapolis, though. I, again, sometimes when you bet futures, um, you know, in the case of V, and I, I think he was trying to get Indianapolis. At a, at a pretty reasonable number. Like, don't defend what? him. His lock of the week was Arizona plus four and a half. Yeah, that didn't that didn't work out. Okay. I mean, listen, I that was that was over by the <laughs> anthem. It's probably over before the anthem. If we're being perfectly oh honest, God. I tried to yeah. tell him. I tried to tell him in the show he was nuts. Well, man, you, didn't then again, you you also told me on Thursday on their Hot Attic podcast when I said if this line goes to six and a half or seven, I might consider Arizona, uh, given how good they had been in the early portion of the season. And by the way, I'm I'm going to take Arizona um, plus five and a half or plus six against the Raiders on the road this week. Like, it's too many points for a Raiders team that very very pl- flawed that played a lot better defense than than all of us I think expected against the Chargers, and they still gave up, you know, several touchdowns in that game. Like, Cardinals are going to go in there. I I think that's probably going to be one of my underdog picks of the week, is Arizona going on the road. They've they've been so much better under Cliff Kingsbury in the early portion of the season on the road than at home. But, I mean, this is a week-to-week league, and as far as the Colts are concerned, like, if Indianapolis starts off 2-3, and and 3-2 in the early portion of the season, like, if you're telling me I can get them at 50-1, to 60-1 to for Super Bowl odds – I'd probably put a, a little bit of pizza money on there. Again, you, you lost just, your pizza money then. Listen, I was going to say, you just threw your money into a wood chipper. Okay? It's, it's, but it's about value. Like, if the Colts all of a sudden start to figure it out or they trade for a little bit more offensive line help or they get another pass catcher, again, they're a flawed team in a very difficult Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I, if I climb on top of so I, I think my internet's going to kill me here. But we're gonna give this a shot. If I climb on top of my roof and you say, "Listen, five hundred to one, I'll give you five hundred bucks," jump off. So I, the value might be good, but I still jumped off the roof. Now I have two shattered legs. Not everything about, not everything in life is not that. That's that's a perfectly logical argument. But again, if you're talking about a team that is likely to go to the postseason, we would all agree that the Colts are going to win that division, right? Sure, I agree. And by the way, you, I have to point out, you said a perfectly logical argument as Verderam jumping off his roof for $500. That's just outstanding. I, maybe context is everything, right? Maybe context is everything. Maybe it was more along the lines of based off that rationale, if you're <laughs> going to go ahead and just put the two of these together, I get where you're coming from. But if you're telling me that this is going to be a playoff team that gets stronger and better as the season goes on with really nobody to 
to shut them down. And again, injuries can always happen. You already saw it with Dallas. Dallas went from the, the offseason favorite to win the AFC East to just under the, bet, the, the betting favorite in the division with Philadelphia before the season started to being behind the Giants and behind Washington. And, and Jerry Jones says Dak Prescott's only going to be out for a month. I think he's lying. But I mean, this is how fast things can change. And if you buy into the idea that the Colts could enter the postseason healthy, playing some of their best football, being able to win the division so they get a home game, if it's 60 to one, yeah, I, I, I think there's value there because I think ultimately that number will go up as the season goes on. I think in, in Verter, I mean, either it's his internet is, is bad or he just has the hell with you. I don't want to talk any more Colts football on this show. I think it's I'm, that one, man. There's no chance. You're throwing uh, no, no, I'm back. I'm back. I, I just, I reloaded. I got, I got sick of Comcast bullshit, so I reloaded. Th- um, throw five on the Texans then. There's your value. Yeah. On the Texans? Throw like, five it, on a team in the NFC. There's your value because the NFC is horrendous. It's, it's like if I, I, I swear to you, it's like if I went on the roof and said, listen, 50 to one that I don't shatter both legs, I'm not jumping. But if you give me, if you give me 200 to one, I'm jumping. I'll take it because at that point, the value is good. I'm still in an ambulance. Like, <laughs> like I still shattered both legs, sir. Um, <laughs> We need, that comment. we need to Look move Look at that on. comment. Matt plowing his car into the <laughs> indie store at 50 to 1. Maybe the biggest value play. Now that's can something you, I, w- you, I would throw some money on. Can yeah. you can you go and do that, Verderam, but do it in the the hot dog costume? Like that guy from, uh, oh God, what's the name of that show on Netflix? And just do like, we all know the guy who did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you the next step is just to buy like a modem completely separate from Xfinity. Although this one is actually a lot better. So I, I actually am like pretty happy with that. But yeah, I mean, we're still working out a few of the bugs, but my God, Xfinity is just a tire fire. Um, all right. This is better. You've dropped three times, bro. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's, it's still better. Uh, the last one I did before the new modem, I dropped like 12 times. I mean, it, it's just insane. For, for next week's show, I'm, I'm going to set the over under at two and a half. I'll be like, all right. More, more, more Verderam drops or Broncos goal line fumbles. And, and we'll see where the, we'll see where the money and the, and the juice comes in. That'd be interesting. I like the odds on that. Yeah. As far as the week two lines, biggest games of the week, what do you got? I, I think for sure it's Thursday night is the game of the week, right? Chiefs and Chargers. Uh, Chiefs are three and a half point favorites right now. Makes sense given how they just dismantled Arizona on the road. Uh, Chargers, yeah, they won. Offense looked fine. Um, but you kind of felt like there was a little bit more left to be desired. I mean, they, they kind of let the, the Raiders hang around. Um, so I, I think three and a half is probably a reasonable line. I think if it goes any higher, I might consider jumping on the Chargers. Um, it, maybe, I, maybe I like the under if the total continues to climb up here. Don't really have a have a lean at this point in the game, but um, if the if the Chargers want to show that this is actually going to be their year where they knock Kansas City off the mantle, and um, more and more that I think about it, especially with their injuries going in, Keenan Allen likely not going to play. Um, I, I just don't think it's their time yet. They might be able to steal one in Los Angeles a little bit later on in the season. Remember, they did beat Kansas City, I believe, last year um, at Arrowhead. So they're they're capable of doing it, but I think the line is very very 
it's a good line. The total just feels a, a tad bit too high, even though we know both of these offenses can score. Um, but I, I think we need to give a little bit more credit. Like defenses for both these teams played well, made a lot of plays, forced some turnovers. Uh, if I had a lean right now, I'd probably go on the under because I know that this total is going to climb. So I'm just going to wait as long as I possibly can and then likely jump on board um, with the under if I feel that's still my best play. So that's that's my, my top game of the week for sure as far as like importance, matchup, games that people should be paying attention to. Uh, Tampa Bay and, and New Orleans, probably number two on my board. The Bucks are a three-point favorite again on the road, second straight game away from Tampa Bay for Tom Brady and company. They go to New Orleans. That has been a team under Dennis Allen that has given Tom Brady fits with the exception of the postseason. Um, so I think a lot of people are going to back the Saints here, comeback win against Atlanta. I'm not sure if that necessarily tells me more about Atlanta as opposed to New Orleans. Uh, Bucks are for sure the better team, and I think, their defense a lot you can still generate a lot of and still make some some bad plays downfield but this is an ideal time as ever to play tampa bay especially with the state of their offensive line uh, total in that game only 44 and a half that's probably one that i'm going to bet the over on I, I think that total is too low and then let me get your guys's thoughts on i think what should be the third most important game remember last week we talked about green bay and minnesota um I'm, I'm having a debate here and having an internal struggle between either the Ravens as three and a half point favorites at home against Miami, big wins for both teams in week one, um, or the Eagles on Monday night against a Minnesota Vikings team that all of a sudden looked like welcome to the modern era of offensive football. Uh, and Justin Jefferson's going to be a problem. Like you give up 35 points to the Lions. Lions offense is better. Ben Johnson's going to do a really nice job with that team. But I mean, who's, who the hell is going to slow down Jefferson? Like, I, I just don't know where it's going to come from. What's the over? Because rip that. I don't know what it is. You give 35 to the Lions. I like, what's a Amon St. Brown? Amon Ross yeah, St. Brown. Brown? That's not Justin Jefferson. I would, if, it, if it's 58, give me the over. <laughs> uh, I, uh... It is not 58. I can tell you that the over at FanDuel is at 52 and a half. So I think that's the second highest on the board for this week behind Kansas City and the Chargers. All right. this, this, these for me, I'll rip right through all three of them real quick before I'm sure at some point here, Xfinity is just going to come in here and, and take me out. Um, look, I think the Chiefs are going to win against the Chargers, but I, I wouldn't touch the line. I actually would take the under on the game. I think the Chiefs are going to win by about three or four points. I think the line's right where it should be. I take the under. The Bucks and the Saints, I think the Saints are going to win outright. I think they're just going to beat them. It's at the Superdome, and they have a great front, and the Bucks are missing everybody up front. Godwin's not playing in the game. They, got, they have all kinds of problems. They are not the team. They, they are at full strength. And then I think Minnesota and Philly is a more interesting game. I think Baltimore is going to beat Miami. Um, I think I, the game's in Philly. I would take Philly to win in the cover. Um, but I'm with Sterling. I think that could be a lot of points. That could be like 30 to 27. So I, I think Philly's going to win, but that's a really interesting game. And if Minnesota wins, what a start for them. The Packers and the Eagles, that'd be something else. Yeah, if the Vikings win, watch out NFC. If We might have just found who the best team was, but I don't think they do. I'll roll with the Eagles. One and a half. You might, here's your value play. You might as well take the two. It shouldn't be a one-point game. A little win by two. And again, I love the over in that game. I'm with you, Verderam. I think the Ravens handle the Dolphins. The Dolphins didn't really show me anything. 
it's not like Tua's going to be able to throw the ball or push the ball downfield a ton. So I wouldn't imagine the Ravens have to play from behind often. That's the only time the Ravens really struggle. So I would go with the Ravens with the three and a half. Uh, Bucks Saints, for sure take the points for the Saints. And I'm with you. I think they might win outright. Ben, you've talked about it. Saints have their number in the regular season. They just do. And I'm agreeing with you, the over in that game, uh, 44 and a half. Jameis Winston was on a roll in that fourth quarter. I wonder if that propels him for a full game now. Uh, the Bucks, I just don't think, are a great team. Offensive line struggles for them. I think Jameis could take advantage of the secondary that the Buccaneers have. Yeah, I, I really quickly, that's one thought on, on Tampa Bay. All those opportunities that they had um, and failing to convert on, on third down was, was pretty eye-opening. Like That's just not something that we're accustomed to seeing from from a Tom Brady led team. And if that's happening against Dallas, um, it's almost assuredly going to happen again against new Orleans. The question is whether or not there's enough guys on the downfield that can make plays um, against the Saints secondary. Also one other note for Monday night football, Kirk cousins lifetime in his career, two and nine on Mondays over the course of his career. It has not been a good system for him. And one of those games came against the bears in a terrible weather game when I think like Chicago either got shut out or, or did absolutely nothing. So I'll, I don't even want to give him that one. Kirk Cousins has one win on Monday night. And, and I don't think wow. that was the, the man just lost 50% of his Monday night wins. I, I'm just, I'm <laughs> like it's, got it's, it's, uh, it's not in my personal record book. So something else to consider, but should be at least a fun matchup with, with two very, very quality offenses. I like it. It's going to be a good week of football. There's a lot of good games, so I'm I'm fascinated by it. And then, of course, the Thursday game is going to be. By the way, uh, the Browns repainted their their field. I'm a big fan of all this stuff. I'm a huge nerd with this. They have their their elf like the brownie on, on the 50 yard line now. It's pretty cool. The Chiefs have teased that they might do something. If the Chiefs decide to go old school and paint the field, give me the give me the Chiefs to win big. Um, it's all. <laughs> hey, the second the Chiefs started painting the field in the playoffs, yeah, they won the Super Bowl. I was like, this, they're going to the Super Bowl. And, and they, they never look back. So, yeah, but whenever they wear like the all red uniforms, that was those, always those a big thing. They always crap the bet on that those one. Those things can go straight to hell. They look like a ketchup bottle. But when they paint the field, that's, that's old school. The Chiefs are the team that, that brought in all that stuff. Okay? George Toma, the side god, all the rest of it. And now they, now they got, I love this stadium, but my God, it's the most boring field on the face of the earth. Like, Dress it up a little bit. Do something, and uh, if they do that, I like the I like the Chiefs to uh, to, to pull away. Yes, yeah, I, I do. I, everybody's I do. Been talking to me because the, the Bears are likely moving to uh, to the suburbs and, and going to have an enclosed oh, yeah. stadium. Oh. I'm like, great! Like this is welcome to like the modern time of the NFL. You can build an offense and not have to worry about bear weather, and fans can actually go and, and sit comfortably and enjoy themselves. And you know, for everybody that's saying, well, what about what about get off the bus running and it's you know, five degrees outside in the snow and the rain. Yeah, you got a good picture out of it. That's great. I'll remember that. But uh, I, 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 if I'm a Bears fan, I want to move away from the past because that's gotten one Super Bowl since the beginning of the era. Um, I, I'd like to eventually move into the modern day NFL world and uh, bear weather isn't a part of it. I, I love weather games. So I think the Bears, that's bullshit. Play your games <laughs> outside. Come on. Yeah, it's like the Packers moving into a dome. Yeah, you know, by the way, the Vikings moving into a dome is a disgrace. You know, they, they got what they deserve. You know, they have, right, they right. have if you can put a roof on Arrowhead to assuredly put a speed-based offense 
with the best quarterback in the sport, you can guarantee that every time he steps on his home He's doing field. just fine in the snow. Leave, leave him in the snow. I don't care. I Who would have thought Verdere would be old school? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. I love I love it. I'll tell you what. When I was uh it was twenty sixteen, the year they uh they went twelve and four, they they lost to the Steelers in the divisional round. I went with my wife uh to a to a game at Arrowhead. It was a Thursday night game against the Raiders in December. And I'm pretty sure it was the second coldest game ever played at Arrowhead. It was like six degrees with a wind chill of like negative seven or something. And I remember we were standing at the game and in the first quarter she was like I'm going up to get a beer and just never came back. Like just hid in the concourse the entire rest of the game. And uh, I, you know, as one does at Arrowhead, I stood and, you know, yelled the entire game and we get to halftime. I'm like, all right, I got to go take a leak. And I went to walk and like, I couldn't feel my legs. So I just stood there and it, I just, that was it. Like I, I didn't move. I stayed there the entire game, just standing in, like a statue. I couldn't feel my legs. But my point is, how was that fun? Oh, it was great. How, how was that? No, no, no. That's like going to Vegas, losing three grand. You slept for 35 minutes and go, oh, yeah, that was great. No, you're a liar. You you're making it sound tougher and cooler than it is. That's what you just described. <laughs> I I would never, like, if you said to me, would you rather go to a game in September or January? I'd always rather go in January. You're a psycho. And oh, frankly, no, potentially fine. a liar. How many people have you <laughs> not, murdered? I don't, I don't know. What? What like, I, I would just not go to the game at any dude, time. It's, dude, the NFL looks so much better on your TV than it is at the game. I don't care where you're That I agree with you. I agree. I, with I will you. say I will say I went to the Chiefs Denver game two years ago, the snow game. Oh, that yeah. was sweet. It was awesome. Okay. Getting and, to the stadium was uh yeah, that interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. I I was at I, I will say this, and in fairness to those who say going to the game, you still can't beat it. I I got invited to go to the comeback game in the postseason against the Texans. And they were down, what, 24 nothing in the yep. first quarter? That was pretty sick. That was – in that type of environment, to watch everything unfold that fast, that quickly, yes, you could. it's cool to say you were there. But 98% of the games put me on my couch with, with free beer. Dog, I'm, fine. I'm Charmin Ultra Soft. I do not do good <laughs> in the cold. I am 5'10", 170. I need a lot of – Beer, bourbon, to stay toasty? That ain't happening. I ain't paying $17 for a 24-ounce Bud Light. Not me. That's a, bar- that's a bargain these days at football stadiums. You know what? I hear all of that. I hear it. I'd rather go see a Chiefs game in, in January. Or go. Like, if I go to Lambeau, if I ever go to Lambeau for, as a fan, I will, I will go in, in December. Like I, I need the full experience. Um, that's just me. That's just me. I, I had a great time right, at the, Heisler, the, the uh, Chiefs game in Lambeau, and uh, there was, I think, it might have been a little bit of rain. Uh, but I, I got the full experience. I tried to do the the, the Lambeau leap and failed. It's somewhere on Twitter. Um, not no. proud of it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I had that full experience running around without freezing my ass off. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, uh, pedal your nonsense, Heisler. What do you have going on? There's plenty of nonsense today. Uh, Daily Bet Slip is going to be live coming up at uh, 5 o'clock Eastern. It'll be myself and uh, Ferdinand's favorite betting analyst, Ian McMillan. Um, so we might talk about his, his Colts Super Shame. Bowl pick uh, for over the course of the show today, but we'll also have best bets for today. Actually, coming up in a couple of minutes, right after stacking the box is over, we'll have the uh, the early read with our college football insider, Reed Wallach. Got uh, plenty of, of really good stuff uh, for week three. Uh, his picks have actually been, been exceptional 
a lot of really good upsets that he's had in the first couple of weeks. So please go do check that out. Uh, follow us on YouTube. If you're already watching the show, check us out, uh, as well as over at fansided.com slash betsided. Previews for every NFL game, college football, Major League Baseball, whatever you need. And, of course, we'll be ready for the start of basketball season in a couple of weeks, too. It's nuts. Beautiful. Well, hey, thank you for joining us, as always. We'll see how the bets play out this week. And uh, best of luck on, on all of them. All right, boys. Verter, I'll see you Thursday on uh, an Arrowhead Attic. Sounds good, sir. All right. We're to the end of the show. Sterling, what's going on in your uh, in your world? Uh, Mizzou football is a fucking disaster. My it's liver will not, not handle a full college football season if this continues. Uh, I was putting up Wilt Chamberlain-esque drinking numbers on Saturday, having to get myself through the debacle that was yeah. Mizzou getting yeah. their ass kicked by their old rival, Big 12 member K-State. Uh, disaster. I hate it. Uh, but I am glad NFL's back because the Chiefs gave me something to warm me up, gave me something to cheer for. And I love sitting my ass down on a couch for 10 hours. I reward myself with that after I do laundry and dishes on Sunday morning. I feel like it's a good combination right there. Yeah. So I was, I was going to talk about the fact that, that it, you know, football's back and that's great. But it also reminds me how like stressful football is because I, I end up with a headache after every single Sunday because of either stressing out about trying to get everything done or I'm screaming at Kansas City. Um, in this case, I wasn't screaming at Kansas City because they, they gave me absolutely nothing to scream about other than joy. Um, but I want to, I want to make a commentary on, on parents and, and who people have become as a society. So on Monday, on, on every Monday, I, my daughter, um, the oldest one, obviously Maisie, uh, she goes to a dance class for an hour in the evening. And like, there's a window, like, like the room is kind of shut off for, like to the people. You can't just like walk in there and like put a chair down and sit down. Like you, there's actually like a studio and there's like a window in the wall and you can look in. And to me, like, you're a parent to, like, be involved in stuff. Like, that's why you become a parent. If you don't want to be involved, then, like, don't fucking become a parent. And so um, when I go, like, I sit down by the window. Like, I'll watch. Like, I watch her. Even though it's, you know, it's just, like, she's four years old and, like, you know, it's just a big basis, like, pirouetting and running around in, in ballerina slippers. It's fine, right? Like, this is what you live for. Above this studio is a restaurant that is very well known for its cocktails and its margaritas. And I would say that 80 to 90% of these parents just go upstairs for the hour and just try to get blackout drunk. And you're like, like, what is happening? And like my wife, who I'm going to call out right now, was like, we should just go up there and just drink. And I'm like, No. Like I, I'm here to like actually watch our kid. Like I can drink anytime I want. I have a fridge. Like, oh, let's go upstairs. Let's go upstairs. So that's where she's, I'm sure, going to be headed next Monday. Um, but I, I am just floored by the amount of parents who either drop the kid off and just go home for an hour, or like go upstairs and just order like eight bottomless margaritas. <laughs> And they come down like, all right, all right, Sarah, get in the car. I, I think I can drive home. You're like, I don't understand what is happening. Like, <laughs> you're a parent. Don't you want to actually be a parent and like see your kid and like be involved? I, I just, I am floored by the amount of people. And by the way, there's many examples of this. This just happens to be one of them. But like the people who just absolutely cannot be involved whatsoever because they got to make sure they get enough Cuervo, you know, and they're like, all right, what time is it? Oh, I missed. Oh, okay. I missed the whole thing. Oh, it's okay. 
You know, it's happy hour. Look, I did enough of that in college, okay? I, 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 I hit enough bars up in college that it ought to last me a lifetime. I'm still drying out. So I, I don't understand these people who now, like, look, in most cases, obviously, like, you're a parent of a young kid. You're probably in your early 30s, maybe your really late 20s. Like, you can't, you can't just put down the old shot glass for an hour, huh? Like, just, nope, okay, way to go. And, hey, by the way, while you're at it, drive home. That part I have a lot of issue with. No yeah. drink. Uber. Get your kid in the car. Get an Uber to the dance yeah. practice so you can get your, your bottomless margaritas. Uh, congratulations. The humble brag for Matt Verderam. Uh, congratulations. Or, Basically or telling you're, you're a great dad and everyone else is just. Oh, by no you. means am I a great father, but my God, can you at least participate? I, by, by no means am I father <laughs> of the year, but my God, can you, can you hang out with a kid for an hour? I mean. Kid can't see you. Well, they can see you through the window. Okay. Well, congratulations. I'm proud of you, Matt Verderam. You're making the smart decision. You're doing it, doing a good thing. Invest in your kids. Invest in your kids. Look, if you want to have kids and have them, if you don't want to have them, don't have them. Don't be the person who has them. It's like, eh. Okay. Don't be that person. It just drives me nuts. <clears throat> and I, I, I got to say, I got to shout out the old man on this one because he is the reason in a lot of ways I'm sure that I'm like that because when I was a kid, I lived in New York. He, he worked in Jersey. It was an hour and a half commute each way every day. And it didn't matter if it was a, a parent-teacher conference. It didn't matter if it was a Little League game. It didn't matter if it was a practice. He never missed any of them, ever. Was there every single one of them? And it mattered to me as a kid that I knew that my parents gave a shit. Like, there were a lot of parents that worked down the street that didn't show up. So for every game, for every practice – for every conference, for every every everything I would, you know, it's some, you know, when the school screwed up and put me in honor society, it showed up for that too. Okay. I still think the school is trying to get that scrub from the books, but that's the here and there. Like, and I think to myself, I can't go five minutes down the street and watch my kid dance for an hour. Like, because you got to be upstairs like, hold on, hold on. Oh my God, are they running out of Cuervo? <laughs> I mean, my God. Buy a damn bottle of Cuervo. By the way, there's a liquor store in the same little in the same little uh, area. Why don't you, you just buy the damn bottle? First of all, it'd be cheaper. Second of all, once the kid goes to bed, I don't care. Drink yourself into a coma. But could you could you could you be a parent for 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 sixty minutes? <laughs> you know these people worked all day, picked these kids up, and were like, "F them." Go dance, son. I'm gonna go upstairs and I'm gonna drink till I can't read. Have a um, nice time. Uh, hey, I'll give my parents a shout out too. They were always there for literally everything. I did so much basketball, baseball, golf, uh, not much soccer because I was fucking two scoops of ass at soccer, band, all that stuff. I mean, if my dad wanted to go to a concert, you know what I'd do? I'd go to the fucking Billy Idol with him, I'd go to the warp tour with them. Those are some awesome. of my best memories. Uh, go with my mom, falling asleep at the Eagles because I, mean, I had a long day and I fucking hate the Eagles, man. But, you know, it was great going to all those concerts with my parents. That's a good parent right there. Yeah, no, the parent, you got to show up and be accountable. That cracks me up to know these people who just cannot be bothered. But then, but then those are the same assholes on Facebook and Instagram who post 90 pictures of them with their kids every day. 
And they're like, oh, I just can't get on without Sarah. She's the light of my life. Yeah, except when she's cleaning up your puke and your Mazda Miata. Okay? It's a disgrace. Watch your kids. Be a if parent. If your kid's name is Sarah in Chicago, Verderam knows you and calling you out. <laughs> we all know what you did. We all saw you come stumbling down the stairs. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah sure you are. Uh, disgrace. Stumbling right. to the stairs, stumbling to the finish line. This was Stacking the Box with Matt Verderam. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, what else you got going on? Absolutely nothing. I got quarterback rankings uh, coming out on Wednesday on Fansided. Power rankings are up today. I tweeted them out earlier. Picks on Thursday. And then, of course, on Sunday, we will have uh, myself and Ian McMillan on this channel from noon to 1 Eastern, previewing all the games, uh, if Xfinity is nice enough to allow me to do it. Uh, and then from there... Uh, Thursday, we got enough content on Arrowhead Attic to choke a horse. So make sure to check that out. Uh, so of course, you and I will be there among many others. Chiefs, Chargers, Thursday Night Football. Stack in the Box podcast right here. Love it. All the interactions. Appreciate you guys all listening. If you could drop us a review, we always appreciate that. Stack in the Box. Take care of your kids. <laughs>